Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hail and well-met, Traveler. Welcome to the Tavern. Did you know this is the place where more than half of the greatest adventures in history have begun? But before those adventurers took their first steps, they watched and calculated who would join their party. Why look over there? There's a mighty barbarian from the Frozen Lands. Strong, mighty, full of honor and wisdom. I happen to know that one. They go by Matt Rossi. And look over there to the right. That woman working away on her mechanical dog. She's cunning, witty, and I've seen her bounce more than her fair share of ne'er-do-wells out of here before I can even blink. I happen to know that she goes by the name Liz Harper. And me? Oh, my name's Joe Perez. And I'll be your tavern keeper. Welcome to Tavern Watch. Hi, everybody. Welcome to a special Tavern Watch where we're going to talk about the recently completed Riaton campaign. Uh, it's myself, Liz, Joe, as always, and also special guests, uh, Ann Stickney and Deb. I, I don't know your last name, Deb. I'm sorry. I, I do know it, but I can't like can't get it to focus my head. So if you want to tell people what it is, it'd be great. My last name is Montague. Thank you. I was going to say Montour, because I know a Montour, and I know that wasn't right. <sighs> I going to say Capulet. I think that every single time, every time. Okay, But regardless, um, this is kind of an interesting thing to do uh, that I've not done before. I've, I've done postmortems, but I haven't streamed them. Uh, so that should be kind of interesting. Uh, why don't we go along? We're, we're going to have everybody who played in the game who's here <laughs> introduce themselves and talk about their character and so forth. Uh, then we're going to yeah. start doing the 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 what Liz called inside baseball. 
which is a fascinating term to me. I'd not heard it before. Um, really? I don't think I have. I don't think I have. If huh. I have, I've forgotten it. That's a, that's actually very surprising. I don't. It's a very care. American MLB kind of thing, and he's from yeah. Canada. Remember? Yeah, that. yeah. It is. It Matt, is. no, Matt, Matt. We we've established Matt grew up in the states. Yeah, I was. Well, born yeah, in the but states. if if you're not a baseball fan, right. or yeah. a sports ball fan, it's not necessarily a. See, I was I always heard it as a, car, a common parlance, but okay. Yeah, yeah. I never. I just was not aware of it. Regardless. <laughs> uh, now that we've had that subtract into where I'm from and <laughs> what I know about baseball, which is not a lot. I played football in it. Uh, we're going to throw this over. Uh, I'm going to start with Anne, since her name starts with an A. Oh, hi. What do you want me to talk about? Gosh. But tell us your character. Like, well, so I played play. Mischief, who ended up being a level 16 tiefling rogue and took a really wild journey that I was not expecting. I, man, I don't even remember. I need to like go back and look at the the background that I sent you because I think all I established was that she ran away from home because her dad was terrible and like her mom didn't notice. And then you turned it into this weird thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You said I think you said stepdad. That's why I stepdad. Yeah, it was a ste- it wasn't her father. Father. It was her stepfather because he wasn't a tiefling. Neither one of them were tieflings. So it was like, where did the tiefling come from? And turns out that mom was a tiefling sort of in one aspect. And yeah, you went really wild with that. You went way weirder than I expected with that. Like you took that and you ran with it. And I really appreciate it. (laughs) So for for anybody who hasn't listened to the campaign, maybe explain that a little bit or go into it a little bit between you two. Like how how did that idea blossom out? Or maybe start with... uh... You know, we are going to talk about kind of the behind the scenes of the Riotan campaign, which we just finished. And uh, if you haven't listened to that, you may want to start there. This is like the behind the scenes version. Yeah, because we're going to be talking about spoilers on. Oh, yeah. yeah. There will be spoilers. Don't even. Oh, yeah. But you can you can go to our site. We've got links up. We've we will put a link when we post this to the site as well. Uh, You can absolutely go catch all the episodes. There's 19 of them. Uh, they're nowhere near as long as Critical Role, so... <laughs> yeah, it, it actually doesn't take nearly as long to get through this. No. Uh, but yeah, um, what, I, what I remember, and uh, I don't have it in front of me to look at it, but I remember is Anne was one of the players who, who really dug in and gave me some stuff to work with. She, she said, okay, uh, I want to play this tiefling. Her name is Mischief. She's a runaway from home. Her, you know, her mother seems distant. Her, her father, her stepfather is terrible. And so she wanted to escape that. And I was like, okay, why is the mother distant? Why is the mother with this person who is a terrible role model? Why, why are they, what's going on there? And I mean, I could have gone with something a little simpler uh, because I ended up going with your mother is in fact one part of a being who used to be one person, but split themselves into three persons because they had a tremendous amount of self-loathing and they married the person they married because they secretly wanted to be with someone who reinforced their self-loathing and then you were born a tiefling blah blah and it was it got really complicated really fast but i i decided that that was the kind of thing that we could tease out yeah that we didn't have to have like a big dump of here's your mom's backstory but instead i could play with it and one of the things that ann brought in that i really liked uh was the idea of tiefling use names which i had not noticed in my previous explorations of D that a lot of tiefling names aren't like a name it's just you know a, a, it's like a, an aspiration or 
a personality trait. And I was like, huh, mischief. And I thought about that one for a while. And then I hit upon the idea of caution as, as a name for a tiefling paladin. And I was like, that'd be interesting. And then I hit, well, but you know, can't have caution without recklessness. You got to have recklessness. So then you had caution and reckless. And I'm like, who are these two? And they, they, they're kind of like sisters, but they're not sisters because they're actually the same person. And I'm like, what if they're the same person? Because there's a, there's a triune aspect to the whole game. I don't know if people notice this, but in the campaign, there's a triune aspect to all sorts of things. Yeah. There's a three in one aspect to a lot of different stuff in the, in the campaign. That's, that was a deliberate choice. And so I thought that'd be an interesting triune aspect to have. And it helped that Anne played mischief so in tune with her, her name that it was pretty easy to steer it along to weird places because we had Mitch, who was the chaos gremlin of the campaign, (laughs) but mischief was very much the, I'm not going to allow things to be stagnant character. Like mischief would push things along. Mischief would get things moving. Whereas, (laughs) you know, who knew where Mitch was going to take the things. But a lot of times if I knew, if I needed something to happen, I knew if I just waited long enough and would make it happen. So that's why I decided to give her the really complex backstory uh, as opposed to other people who had simpler ones that I felt like they could, they could hang out in. I brought in other people's backstories as well. Um, Not all of them as well as I wanted to. I didn't do Corey's as well as I wanted to. Uh, Deb's was straight up scrambling on my part. And and we'll get to that because Deb is here and she's going to talk about her character and we'll we'll have that conversation. But mischief, it was very much an idea. I, I knew I knew Anne could handle it, mm. and I already knew Joe's one was was completely different. I'd already lined that one up. Like he got lucky and that he was. I think you were a session late, Joe. No, I was there from day one. No, he was okay. there from day one. Yeah. Who was the late person? Was that Mitch? Mitch was. Yeah. Yeah. Mitch, okay. Yeah. yeah. That's why Mitch ended up being just the 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 ball of the spiky ball of confusion, but. <laughs> I, I remember I pinned on Joe that the you know the the bad guy of the campaign was going to be pinned on to that Joe. Was, yeah, that was interesting. Yeah, I knew that was going to be the case. I knew you could you could deal with that. So, but I was like, I need somebody to be like the motive force here. I need somebody to to kind of be like the team glue and to be the the team you know the person who would would keep the team on task to a degree. And so I I made that made that Anne with some of that being Liz as well. But Liz was more like. I, I imagined, based on what Conahay was supposed to be, that that Liz would be a very good. Let's just get this over with character, and, and that she was, <laughs> and that's how it ended up being. Like very much, Conahay just wanted this over, whereas uh, Mischief wanted to explore it. So that's 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 how I remember it. I don't know what, if you've got anything further on it that I've forgotten. Yeah. <laughs> I still didn't get us to the city. <laughs> no, no, that's true. Nothing did. Whoops! Sorry about that. I'm going to be apologizing that for, to that for Rossi for a long time. No, I love how out. it happened, though. I love how it happened. Where yeah. it was like, now you are there, yeah. <laughs> and you have to do things. You have to interact with my fantastic <laughs> magical city. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean that. I think it feels like the magical city was kind of like the big turning point where things went off the rails, at least for you. Yeah. Um. Are you? Well, I'm going to move on to, to Deb here. Let's, okay. let's let Deb yeah, yeah, yeah. Deb, go ahead and introduce yourself and your character. Hi, I'm Deb, and I played Medeal, uh, who was a dwarf cleric. Do you and... remember anything of the backstory you sent me? Like, you <laughs> about it? I opened up my... Um... <laughs> 
She's got documents notes. folder. And I have a folder that says D&D. And at the very top of it is Medeal's backstory, <laughs> which is one, two, three, four, five paragraphs long. And that's it. And so I, I remember the, the key thing I honed in on on, on Deb's backstory for Medeal was the idea that Medeal was unhappy with the role in her life and that she didn't right. like, didn't interact well with her family. And I didn't want to do that thing where you bring in the parents and, and have like a bunch of storm on drong, but I did want to bring the character's backstory in. And it was, it was actually it took me a long time to figure out how to do it. It wasn't until the, the big let's not go to Piador. It's a silly place as you know, moment in the campaign that I figured out how to bring her, her family in, in the form of Malachi, the evil dwarf warlock, a personable, but evil. Um, it says in the backstory, a cousin decided over the objections of elders. Hang on, I'm getting, there we go. Over family to set sail for riches untold. Medeal was asked to christen and bless his boat. That side of the family made a sizable donation to the temple and she had to. Well, the cousin has never been heard from again. Yep. This has been used to prove uh, that A, dwarves are not to be sailors, and B, Medeal should have told him this was a bad idea. Yeah, and so I decided to bring him in as the captain of the now-flying uh, evil pirate ship. Although, <laughs> it was a nice evil pirate ship. I think you guys made good use out of it. And I think the ultimate distillation of Medeal's character is when confronted with her own god, mm-hmm. Medeal decides, no, I want to take a nap now. And thus... The big backstory dump that I was going to do didn't happen. So a lot of you, you will never actually know what was going on at the very end there because Medeal decided she didn't want to hear it. And that you was, aren't gonna, that was, you aren't going to tell us now, uh, not all of it, because some of it I want to keep <laughs> hold on to in case I want to use it in the next campaign, <laughs> but I will, I will share some of it. Uh, but yeah, that was, that was to me, that was the, the hook for the backstory of that character was the tension with their family, the tension with the, the role that they were expected to perform this blessing ships thing about. And I, I, I liked that idea. So I, I grabbed it and ran with it and it basically helped because I had had a lot of encounters planned for Piedor, the magical city. Mm-hmm. And since you guys wouldn't go there, I then had to basically put those encounters on the flying pirate ship. <laughs> so the, the whole deal where you're in the hold and you're trying to get through and there's the giant monkey and all the weird stuff that's in the hold of the ship. That was actually going to be the first level of evil Willier's base. You were going to go <laughs> in and it was going to be like that. I mean, the monkey wasn't going to be there, but I, I did have to do some tap dancing, but yeah, that the, without Medeal's cousin who I named Malachi. Cause I don't think you named him Deb. No, he's, he does not have a name. He just yeah. is a cousin. I just named him Malachi because why not? Um, but because I, I had to get you guys, I had to do something with all those encounters because I didn't have time to redesign all of them. I ended up just putting one on the boat and then the next one also on the boat. Like you guys could very well have had like a, like a big climactic fight with the will your clone <laughs> at the top of the, the temple. I mean, the top of the tower that you guys saw at the end session, you could have had that fight way earlier. And it would have been the fight that you had on the boat, except then you wouldn't have gotten sucked into the plane of Acheron and you would have had to figure out how to get there yourselves. Um, but because you were on the boat, 
it was pretty easy to just crash it in Acheron. Wasn't really a problem. I enjoyed yeah. the boat. I really enjoyed it. It that was that's one of my my uh, best memories of it. And and it, where do you think your character has gone now? Medeal's left the temple. She's freelance healing, going out and helping people. But I also envision her occasionally running around with Malachi, going, "Okay, um, you know." I stumbled onto this problem. Can you come and help me? And having her go, I got to bail your stupid butt out again. But inside being, oh boy, another adventure. Where are we going this time? That type of thing. So yeah, I, I really enjoyed those. I don't know if he actually got another, he, he probably got another boat, but it won't be the same. Right, it would not be the same, but it well, just I envision him and his undead crew just flying all over, just getting into trouble occasionally, etc., and and having to come find Medeal wherever she is to bail them out. All right, uh, at this point, we'll move on to Liz. Um, go ahead and introduce yourself and your character, Liz, and then you know, hello, ask- uh, I am Liz, and I played Kanahe, a water ganase sorceress. Um. And she, I think I had a paragraph or two on her to start with. I didn't have, I don't think I gave you a lot. I mean, she was just, she was a a sailor and she kind of used her sorceress powers to like, I had the idea where she would like generate winds for a ship and her last ship had crashed and she just, you know, sunk and like, you know, everyone was lost except her because she can breathe underwater and being in a shipwreck not a big deal. And that she was just, you know, really distraught over that and hadn't gone back to sea. And she was kind of in this weird place where she didn't have anything to do with herself. Uh, So it's kind of interesting. She got sucked into this other place. And it was like, she hadn't really left anything behind at this point, but she was just kind of done with everything and didn't want to get involved and was just let's get out of here i don't even know these people and that was kind of her thing the entire campaign she kind of had this sort of why am i here why do i have to do this why do i have to put up with these weirdos yeah it was interesting because uh, one of the things about it was interesting because it it, i had to come up with reasons why each of your characters had been brought in Mm -hmm. and part of it was to give Evil Will, you're a, a gang. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he wanted his, a gang of people from all walks of life to support him in his machinations. Uh, the other reason, though, was because each of you had a sphere of influence or something you were attached to. And in, in, in Medeal, and in Medeal's case, it was you know her her role as a cleric. Um, but in your case, it was very much that you were completely disconnected from your previous life, uh, and so nobody would miss you. Yeah, and that is true. And while that was the case he could also make use of your your characters um you know built the, the idea that you'd had for running a ship using your powers to like summon winds and so forth mm-hmm. um the gust of wind spell that you used quite a few times in the campaign uh i thought about how that could have been used but with somebody as demonically intelligent as that chain devil was or diabolically intelligent i guess i should have said could find ways to make a vast amount of money with it which they then built into the empire that he was using. If, if we had had a little more time, like if I, if I decided to run it a little longer, you would have found out that you were actually a crime boss. Like you never got to find that out. Uh, you, the empire that you saw, the mercantile empire 
yeah. was in fact the cover for your pirate empire. And that, 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 that empire had been used to bring him a lot of the resources he needed to find out where the engine was and how it worked and how it was linked to that island. Mm. Because there's actually two engines. There's one on that island, and then there was the one in Piador. And they're actually the same thing. Like in a fourth really? dimension in a fourth dimensional sense, it's one engine. It just has two points where it intercedes with with the world. And you guys never got went to this place, so it, it won't mean anything to you. But there's a city in the in the thing called Yunez, and Yunez, the name Yunez is actually a phonetic pronunciation of U N E S, which is U- U- United Nations Earthship. Mm-hmm. And Yunez was the crashed remains of a gigantic <clears throat> spaceship that's extra dimensional. It had a jump drive, an engine that could take it into different realities. That's how it traveled. It, it's similar to Hitchhiker's Guide where you you have the engine that scans alternate universes till it finds the one where you are, where you need to go. The improbability and drive? It's very similar mm-hmm. to that, except that when it was activated, it didn't work the way it was supposed to. It created a reality. Instead of taking you to a different one, it just grabbed hold of the minds of the people who were on the ship and made their their kind of shared I, their shared subconscious into a reality. And those people, the, the original test crew for the ship, are the gods. That's why Gal- they're all so human. Gallia was so human because Gallia was the, essentially she was the security chief for the ship. Um, Ionin was the doctor and several others were the, the people on the ship. Verth was the only divine being on that that you, you you guys encountered during the, the sessions who wasn't originally a crew member of the ship. Because Verth, this reality was Verth. Verth was the, is the destroyer because Verth was the void, the nothingness of this universe. And then there suddenly this ship entered it and created a world. And Verth was like, what is that? Why is that here? This is my, this is all me. Why is this thing now in me? And thus, because of that, no one had ever attempted to befriend Verth. Or even talk to Verth. No one understood what Verth was. Fizzle was literally the first being to ever have a conversation with Verth. Oh, God. <laughs> no one had ever tried it. The gods just stole parts of Verth's existence to make their world and then tried to defend it against him as he kept trying to unmake it. Because it's not supposed to be here. This is all me. And then one of the th- weird little things from that thing that just appeared inside it one day started talking to it. And I was like, what is happening? And so that's that was that whole thing that that didn't that was what Medeal was going to find out. Like Galia came to Mount Medeal to tell her all this. Medeal was like, "Nope, don't want to know." <laughs> Took a nap. So that whole thing never came up. So and there's more to it, but that that was the thing that that's the thing that uh, he had the other Conahay's pirate empire doing. There was a raid on Unez that he had even linked, and if we'd gotten around to it, it would have been there. You would have gone to Unez and and talked to the 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 I think it was the Admar the Admar of Unez, it's a the person who who runs the place, and it's based on their kind of not really understood knowledge of the the ship because it was the name there was an admiral who had been in charge, and mm-hmm. the title of admiral became Admar, hmm. and you were going to have to deal with the Admar who was real mad at you even though it wasn't you who did it because you you guys went in and stole a bunch of stuff so. You were gonna confront like the the stuff your co- your clones had done, sort of thing, but it didn't come about. But nevertheless, that was like a big part of Conahazy's presence. There was a big part of the whole getting getting to the engine thing. So 
that actually, I think that worked out pretty well. Uh, Conahe, and I felt like I said earlier, Conahe served a, a useful purpose. She was very much the, you know, what, what is the point of this? Why are we here? Let's like, just want to get this over with, uh, which kept, there was like a lot of tension that kept the stuff moving. Cause we have a tendency to just go off on tangents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like we, you know, we do. <laughs> That's just something. Wonder- we're us? What? Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> having that there helped keep the group moving, even when the group moved completely away mm-hmm. from where I was going. And speaking of that, Hi, Joe. Tell Hi. people who you are. <laughs> uh, well, you, you know who I am if you've listened to any of our podcasts, but uh, the character I played was William Russpark, a gnome mage uh, who, funnily enough, actually started as a joke. Not in this campaign, but in another game that I was playing, our group kept coming up across this thing where they kept needing a planar cosmologist but couldn't find one because it wasn't a school that existed. And so, like, all these harebrained schemes that the other group would try to come up with that revolved around sort of needing a planar cosmologist would fizzle because they couldn't figure out how to get around it. So I just decided... <laughs> fizzle? Yeah. Ha. So I just I just said, the hell with it, and I just made a planar cosmologist for your game. Uh, and I think that was really what I, what I threw together was that it was he was a minor noble house, uh, last of his line, uh, wound up moving to Piador and uh, becoming a professor... Uh, of planar cosmology in Piador, uh, and his focus was sort of like planar magic, and that was sort of like the rough framework that I gave you, and then you just kind of ran with it. the The evil Willier thing was was I thought hilarious. Um, yeah, the, the one that threw me for a loop was when you told me that I was dead. <laughs> yeah, like, like 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 everything else. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm a clone or whatever. I could deal with that. I can deal with that. I can deal with that. And then you come up with the god that's like, oh yeah, you were dead. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, he had killed you, and he was wearing your body as a suit. Yeah, and I, I thought I thought I was like an actual clone or something like that. Not that I had died. No, uh, you were you were an actual clone in the sense that you were the original. Remember the original uh, simulacrum spell? Yeah, 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 yeah. Where you could the you, the the Willier who died was significantly higher level than you were when you started play. Yeah, because I was yeah, because the 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 loss that you had to do with simulacrum. He he had set up the simulacrum so that if he died, the simulacrum would his soul would go into it with via soul jar, and he'd you know boom he'd be up again. Uh, but unfortunately for him, the chain devil found it and was like, oh, that's interesting. I can interrogate him later now and learn even more, and thus my impersonation of him will be better. So he shipped you off along with all the other people that they were working on to the island where the other, the terminal point of the engine was, because he'd found that. He just needed to find the the point that interceded into this reality, not the one that left it. Uh, So having a planar cosmologist around to help him figure out where in the planes this all intersected was absolutely important. Um, So yeah, I I decided that's when I figured out, okay, Joe is the big bad. Um, uh, I'll, I'll work that in the planar cosmology thing works well with what I'm doing anyway. I, I know I've got, like, I kept throwing weird ruins at you guys. And the reason I kept doing it was because those ruins were actually parts of the ship. Yeah. And I, I think yeah. I, 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 as a player, I think, and I think probably others did, we started, I, I, we started picking up on that after we got to like different ones and kept seeing the different things like the first transportation the first time we went through it i'm like oh okay i kind of this this sort of makes a little bit of sense i didn't realize that it was going to be the main hub of like the spire of piador that was a, that was one uh one heck of a doozy yeah uh, you would have found that out had you actually gone to piador but you had done such a good job at hyping up the danger level of the chain up 
And I think yeah. that's and I think that's the part where you, I, I don't think you realized how dangerous you made it seem. I didn't think it I made it seem all that dangerous at all, but y'all were like, no, I think because he he got away scot free. He got away scot he got away scot free. Yeah. He had we our encounters with him like in the wild, uh, where he had like a group of searchers and rangers or like 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 he had a high standing in the city higher than my character remembered having, which mm-hmm. again, not realizing that I was essentially the soul back in a simulacrum. So like he's got control. He's got a high station of power in the city. He's able to summon demons at will. Like this is a very dangerous situation. I think we were only level what five, six at the time. Yeah. About that. And like, I'm a glass cannon. Like you hit me, you hit me once or twice and like my body goes away. Uh, and like, I don't know about everybody else. And maybe I'll toss this over to you guys. Like, I, I think Matt did a good job, maybe too good of a job of just like selling the threat. Right. Like, yeah, I, thought I didn't Keanor think that we were threat. ready. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Very, very. Yes, Matt, I will buy snow. I live in Alaska. Um, you did a really good job. Yeah, and so like you're you're when we were getting there, it's like yes, I understand that that's where we have to go. But like then I start thinking like, okay, well, what would Willier do in this place? He doesn't he doesn't think that he can handle this. He's not going to lead these people to their death because it's at this point it's he doesn't want that on his conscience. Uh, he hadn't really become that close with any of them yet, except for kind of mischief at that point because she was the only one that treated him normal ish. Um, but like, he's like, so we go get stronger before we go take a fight to him because yeah. I don't want to die and I don't want them to die. Right. For me, for me, it was kind of like the thought of, okay, if he's in that high of a standing in that magical city, mm-hmm. then all he has to do is holler and we're in deep crap because everybody's going to listen to him. Nobody's going to listen to a, gr- a low-level group of weirdos, you know? Well, not only, that, <laughs> not only that, but Matt also established that we were recognizable. So yeah. up to that point, several points in time, we had been recognized as our clones. Very, like me, for sure, with that stunt I pulled with the trackers. Um, but also, like, Conahey and other folks, like, yeah. you, you were pointed out, like, Oh, hi, so and so, you know, or or hi, Conahay, or, or or Madam. I forgot what title you used. Whatever. So, like, I'm thinking if we start walking into the city, that's just going to draw attention. How do we? Yeah. I, how do we? How do we stay under the radar? Right. So, like, you actually presented a scenario where you 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 mentioned the other day uh, where you you thought I was a very tactical player. You put me in a a, a Kobayashi Marusen uh, scenario. <laughs> You put me in a no win where my character's sitting there. I'm sitting there as a player looking at this through my character's eyes and my character is going, huh? I go in there. We all die. The campaign's over. That doesn't sound fun. Uh, so I need to go figure out another way around this or an end around or go get more allies. And so I started thinking of it like almost like mass effect terms. Like maybe I can go find allies elsewhere in the world. Uh, maybe I could use you this. See a couple more companions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, or, or like maybe there's an army of dwarves out there, or, or an army of orcs that like are really angry with 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 me, and I prove that I'm not the demonic me, or whatever the case is, or, or and convince them to go and kill them with kill them with us, or something like that. It's like let's go figure out another way around this. Uh, so you you your Piodor situation is a a beautiful and, and wonderful boiling down of a combination of your and my mindset colliding at high speed. Yeah, pretty much. Because <laughs> uh, I had actually set up, there was stuff you were going to, there were people in the city that were opposed to Willier. There were, it was all sorts of stuff you were going to run into. And I ended up having to like scrap all of it and come up with something really fast, which again is why 
uh, Deb's character was so helpful because she had the cousin who she knew nothing about mm-hmm. other like other than she had a cousin. She didn't even know his name because she'd give me one. So I was like, okay, boom, here he is. Dude, uh, the flying pirate ship was super cool. <laughs> oh, yeah. Flying ships are always cool. But, okay, I think we've... That's everybody's characters. Uh, people who aren't here obviously can't talk about their characters, but also I'll do a brief mention. Corey, I feel to this day that Corey got the least out of the campaign, and I feel really bad about it. Um, I, I wanted to work in more of his backstory. I just didn't get around to it. Um, but his whole thing with, like, there was a moment where he was like, I'm not going to work with pirates. <laughs> I liked was, that. Like, I thought that was, no, really, no, no. Thought was, that was a great was, moment. It was great because it's like, I'm, I'm literally about to put you on a pirate ship, man. So this, you'll you'll do what you do, but you're going to be on a pirate ship. Um, Andrew obviously joined the campaign late. Uh, his Aris and Sediment character, um, basically, he was like a warlock at a demonic pact. I'm like, okay, sure. There's plenty of demons and devils involved in this. It, it, it'll it'll be fine. Um, Mitch again, obviously, spiky ball of chaos. So uh, I obviously I used Mitch a couple of times, and Mitch obviously threw stuff at me. I had no idea what was going to happen. Um, his, th- I should have realized it was going to happen when in the opening session of the game, he's trying to make friends with a gigantic sea monster that is literally hundreds of yards away from him and, and can't interact with him in any way. And he's trying to figure out how to get out there and befriend it. I should have realized this, like the ultimate D and D character thing where they try to adopt a horrible NPC. He wants to adopt the 200 foot long sea monster. I should have realized where this was going to go, but I did not realize where this was going to go. And it, it did actually work out. It, it, it provided some interesting stuff. But yeah, the original pan. Uh, one of the things we're going to do now is move on to the, the, to the questions that people had mentioned to me that they wanted answers to. I'll, I'll do a quick one on them. Uh, the original plan for this campaign was a one-shot. I, I mean, there was a possibility we could do more, but the original plan was a one-shot. It's even called the one-shot spectacular. <laughs> yep. So I yeah. was not I was not going into this thinking that we would do a campaign. I figured you'd all see it. You'd think, wow, okay. Uh, it took a long time to get through that one session and Matt's a bit of a bumbler and we're, we're, we're going to just not do this again. And so I, I didn't stress myself on how to continue past that certain point. And then we got to the end of the first session where mischief is one point is mind control to jump off of the top of the spire. Only a bear sits on her to keep her from doing it. That was so um, much fun. <laughs> and you're all like, let's our, our do another one. Was, our bear that was only there for two sessions. One yeah. in person and one is an the NPC. bear showed up again at the end. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, it's like, the th- it's just that thank you. It's a thank you Chuck Norris scene from, from Dodgeball. That's all it was. <laughs> like, yes. Dan, Dan was just happened to be Chuck Norris. That's what, that's what it turned out to be. The, the, the elfy bear version of Chuck Norris. Yep. Which is vastly improved. Um, but yeah, so you guys were like, Ooh, let's, let's do another one. And I was like, wait, what? you want to do more of this? Okay. I don't know if I'd sent you guys the big background document that I wrote by that point or not, or if I sent it out. Oh, yeah. I remember. Yeah, you, you I did. It was, was it, was it before the one shot or after the one shot? I don't know. It was, before I think it was, was after the one shot, wasn't it? No, it was before the one shot. So Matt, okay. Matt, you sent the entire primer document uh, with all the cities and everything before the one shot uh, because your your oh, you to give people yeah to yeah. give people places to be from yeah oh that's right yeah yeah and so we kind of so, already had it and then it was well received by the listeners and we had a, a good crew of pe- a good crew of people that were having fun uh people that were listening were seeming to have fun uh so like it it seemed like a no-brainer to do more yeah but i didn't expect that at all i figured yeah. you guys would not want to do more of it so i then had to come up with like an overarching why did any of that happen 
uh, plot. And that's when I worked out like who I was going to be giving what thing to. Like the idea that the the, the ultimate big bad was Joe. Uh, the idea that Mischief and her three moms. Uh, by the way, in my conception of this, Mischief uh, does not have a dad. Oh, really? Uh, I thought that the big demon guy was her dad. I, yeah, I, I intended you to think that. Um, well, it was all from no, The Wish, right? It was from The Wish, yeah. Uh, yeah. Basically, oh. your mischief is the second chance. Like, Oh! Yeah, the, the chance to get it right. Um, so in a way, you know, your mom sees you as the better version of herself. Aw, that's yeah, cute. So we didn't get around to that getting that all revealed out, unfortunately. Um, that that One of the questions here is, did anything you have planned for the campaign not work out? I mean... Obviously, one thing I had planned for the campaign absolutely <laughs> didn't work out. Um, but also, I, I because of the way the, the the way that our schedules worked, the way that the amount of time we had to actually run a session, like it was very hard for us to go above three hours. Um, yeah, we just really couldn't do it, and unfortunately, th- that meant I had to kind of elide a lot of the one-on-one role-play type stuff I wanted to do to get characters backstories more firmly involved in the game. Like I wanted to bring Corey's family into it as one example of uh, Zellen's family. I wanted to bring them into it. Um, I wanted to do more with, with the, the alternate clone of fizzle who kept popping in to push fizzle in a direction, like the whole bit with the hand and eye of Vecna. I, <laughs> I was trying desperately to get him to use the hand and eye of Vecna because that's why the cut, the clone of him was missing an eye and a, and a yep. hand Yep, because it wasn't a clone of him. It was him for the future. That was Fizzle. That was future Fizzle. Yeah, because you mentioned you had mentioned that like him and I were in similar situations. Yeah, uh, he that was him. That was the same Fizzle. It wasn't. It wasn't even a copy of him or a clone of him. It was him. It was the same guy, just from the future. And so I wanted to like. That's why the hand and I kept popping back up. You couldn't get rid of the hand and I because Fizzle hadn't used them yet, uh-huh. and he still hasn't used them. So if we ever go back and do another one shot in this setting, the Kant and I are still out there and they still want to get on to fizzle. <laughs> so that's something that might come up, uh, but that's, those are the, there's a couple other things I'm sure will come up as we talk more about it, but I, I can't, it's hard for me to remember all of it because I'm a lot of it. Like we didn't go to, you didn't get to do the Unas arc um, because we took that break because of stuff that was going on in my personal life. Uh, I, that's where the Unes arc was going to be. Like I was going to have you guys go to Unes and, and, and clean up what had been stolen from there as a way to, to find out where he was now, the, the, the bad fizzle bang. Uh, I who, had a, who had the name, by the way, but I never actually used it. Uh, his name was Drusag, which if you've, if you've been watching the new Critical Role and you, the name of the town, I'm like, I was freaking out because I'm like, I use I <laughs> used that. But no, it was, it, was, it was with a D and it was you know actually a lot more consonants. Uh, but yeah, I, that Drusog was his name, and the whole reason that he picked Wilford, I mean Wilfred, was because he had actually been someone Wilfred had talked to when he was caught when he was cataloging the planes. the The scene you you see when Wilfred's got a, a device that he's using Will to you're. catalog Willier. Sorry, I keep saying Wilfred. Sorry, uh, Willier's got a device he's using to catalog the the cosmos, so to speak. Kind of like his his planar sextant sort of thing he was using to like map the the universe. That was going to be more. There was going to be a whole thing about finding how how Willier had done it, and we didn't get around to that either because I just kept. For one thing, you guys went to the other city, um, the the pirate city, and that took up 
the, the, the shopping episode that we did, which was one of my favorite episodes. Cause there's always like, a shopping episode. There's always yeah. a shopping episode. I really liked the shopping episode. That was one of my favorite ones, but that, that cost us a, like ultimately that cost us a trip to Unes, uh, because you know, <laughs> no, it, you can't do everything you want, but yeah. So that's pretty much all I can think of about to cover here. So I'm going to throw it over to you guys. Is there anything you want to like talk about or that you want to know about that I, that we did or anything like that? I think the thing that interested me that I wanted to know about specifically was that at the beginning, the very beginning of the campaign, mischief was awake because the helmet didn't fit on her. Did, had she just arrived or like, I, I, I guess I'm wondering how long was everybody there? And also why did they have the helmets on? Like what was the purpose of the, were, were they being scanned or something or was it just keeping them in stasis? Okay. All right. There's a few things here. One is that mischief was actually, they, they were, they were operating on faulty information. Oh, they didn't know about the wish spell. They didn't know that your mother had turned into three people because the adventuring group that your mother was in is, was, was famous. Like they, they'd been through the planes a few times. They've, they've, they were like all level 13 when you met them. Right. So they were going for the original version of your mother, the, the pre wish version. Oh, and, uh, the helmets, the reason it didn't fit you is your horns are different, right? You have bigger horns. Because you're the idealized version. You're the person that she wanted to be. Proud of who she was. Not ashamed of it. Uh, she filed her horns off. Oh. You didn't. So when they they made a helmet to fit you, it did not fit because you had you, you had the horns. And they were trying to figure it out. And you woke up. They, they had literally just grabbed you. Like you had been, okay. you'd left home like a month or so early. Okay. Uh, and in, in the, the version of it I had come up with, uh, the helmets were actually Willier's design. Of course. Oh, <laughs> they were they were in fact intended to 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 read people's minds. Okay. Um, the other Willier was hoping to use it to make sure that the clones all had the proper memories to fit into the the roles he was going to use them for. Uh, and I'm trying to think of how exactly to explain this. Like Willier was going to be he was going to mine Willier for information about the you know the planar cosmology to figure out where the temple in Acheron was. Uh, that was one thing he was trying to do. Uh, similarly, you know, Conahay's life, her nautical experience, uh, Zelen's life, the, the various bits and pieces he was looking for. Um, and so that's what those helmets were for. They were to, to, to basically constantly cast detect thoughts on you. Okay. While you were, they did also keep you in stasis. That was the other thing that they did. Um, but primarily they were there to uh, scan your minds and you could have figured out how to use them that way. Like you kept the helmets, you had the helmets, the whole campaign. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and it, you could have figured out how to use them to to read people's minds. I was actually one of the things I wanted to do, and we just never had time, is I wanted to try to use the helmets to communicate with Mitch. Uh, kind of might have worked. Yeah, yeah, I would have had to play around with it. Yeah, because like I was just thinking, like in the downtime, my character, like I was just thinking, like that's something my character would do because he's getting frustrated because he can't talk to Mitch. And so, like, I was like, oh, I could, you know, take the helmets and, like, if they're downloading, because I thought they were just, like, downloading our memories, which, hey, it looks like they were. Uh, maybe I can tinker with it and figure it out and maybe use it as a way to communicate with them. Maybe not all the time, but uh, we just never got around to it because it was always just, we were just chasing after or running away from uh, things. So, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. But, yeah, that that was the, uh, that was the basic intent of that, was to, at, at the, the, keep in mind that, when they when you first see it, since it was a one shot, 
I'll be up front. They were just a, a plot convenience to keep, to, you know, this is why you guys are here. Cause I like to open <clears throat> games like on a cliffhanger. I think like, they Cold call opens. it immediate res. Cold yeah, opens, like, yeah. Yeah. I like to do an immediate res thing where I just, I throw you in the situation and let you figure it out from here. Like one of my favorites used to be you're on a burning ship, <clears throat> but you guys, y'all were so good at wrecking ships <laughs> that I ultimately didn't want to make it too much a thing in this session. So yeah, <laughs> I, but yeah, that was basically the goal. The other question that I had, and it was just kind of a random question, really. How long does inspiration points, like, do they last from session to session? I They basically, if the session goes out during, like, they, they last, I believe, like, until you use uh, them. Depends. Or until you finish a long rest. It, it you gave me, You gave me an inspiration point. Because I knew that they were doing the Batusi in the parade. Yeah, that's that. The, the I ones still that, had that inspiration point at the end of the campaign. Yeah, I've so never those used those it. don't those don't expire. Yeah, one the DM gives you. Yeah, it can last until you use it. The, the only ones that expire mm-hmm. have like a, a, a time limit. Are the ones that bards give bardicans were really. I just thought that was really funny when I looked at my character sheet and I was like, "Why do I have inspiration? Oh yeah, because I knew about the Batusi. I never yeah. used that, huh?" <laughs> Yeah, I and, want to I want to interrupt for a second and say Mitch has been able to join us and he is here with us now. If we want to talk a little more about Fizzle being sure. Fizzle. Hello. Yeah, Mitch, uh, if you don't mind, talk about Fizzle real fast to introduce yourself and talk about what you remember about the backstory you sent me, if you remember. I don't know if I remember that backstory. But um, anyways, <laughs> uh, yes, my name is Mitch. I played Fizzle. He was the Kenku bard who just wanted to make friends. Uh, but yeah, I I don't honestly entirely remember the backstory I came up with for him. Um, I do remember not entirely realizing that Kenku couldn't talk. I just thought <laughs> it looked like uh, an Arakoa, and I like Arakoa. So I was like, perfect, an Arakoa bard. And then I kind of got the news that I had to mimic people. And I was like, you know what, whatever, I'll stick with it. And it turned out very well and very fun. Yeah, um, you could have just played an Arakoa, that those exist as well. This was literally my first D and D game, like ever. And and we throw you, no wonder throw you, you into the deep end of chaos. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. What I don't, what I remember of your backstory was you, you didn't actually have one. Okay. Like, well, yeah, I don't I... recall you telling me much of anything. Um, but I had decided early, like the first time Fizzle got played, I realized fairly quickly that Mitch was going to be that guy. <laughs> Um, every, every campaign has a, that guy, the, that guy is the guy who will, you know, you, you, you spend 10 minutes describing this room that you're going to have a boss fight in. And they're the one who, who figures out, can I just collapse the ceiling onto it and we could just leave? And you're like, what? You want to completely skip the encounter? <laughs> and, and you can try to fight that guy, but it never works. You, you cannot <laughs> successfully fight that person or you can like, let them do it and then make them pay for it. <laughs> that's the, the the role i took with mitch was okay mitch wants to do something weird <clears throat> let's see what happens uh you know and i think i think it was Corey who actually posted a meme of it that i, I think was the perfect meme it was like you know like it showed a whole bunch of people looking horrified at somebody but one guy leaning forward looked at the hands people going ooh, and they were like <laughs> that's me because i can't wait to see what he does with this <laughs> uh, I just told people this. You weren't here. I don't, so I don't know if you heard it. But my intention was to get the hands and I and Vecna to you as much as I could. I and, I wanted them so he, badly. Here's here's the thing. 
Do you remember the other Fizzle, the the clone Fizzle? Yeah. He wasn't a clone. Oh? He was you after you took the hand and eye of Vecna. That's why he had an eye patch. That's why he had a hook hand. Because he had to remove the hand and eye from his from himself. Uh, that makes sense. That was I... that was literally you. That's why he kept trying to get you to do things. Because he's imagine Imagine if you traveled back in time five years and tried to tell yourself from five years ago not to do something and how frustrated that would get you when you kept having to do it because you wouldn't listen. That's, that's what he was. He was you. It's and, hard to listen to even myself sometimes. And well, that, that's the thing is I, at the end of the campaign, remember they, they wished for this whole thing to be over. The hand and eye of Vecna aren't gone because the hand and eye of Vecna's destiny is to be on you. <gasps> So at some point, they'll if we ever did another one shot to like bring the characters back for a session, that would be the plot. It's the hand and eye of Vecna are still trying to get to Fizzle. Oh, and my yeah. school of not cultists. <laughs> yes, totally. <laughs> school for friends, totally not a cult. Yeah. Exactly. So that was the big secret of your character that we didn't get a chance to really explore because so much oh. stuff was happening at once. Was I, that your character was going to end up with the hand and eye of Vecna on them? Or at least if they would if the Hand and I of Vecna had anything to say about it. Joe That's and Anne did such a good job keeping this stuff say, away from me. I just, yeah. my roles were like really the, good so the, at the, playing yeah. people away. The other funny thing too is I was like, I was also contemplating because this is also in that, in that same time bubble where Matt had convinced us that we weren't powerful enough. It's like, well, maybe I can like carve my own eye out and rip my own hand off, put him on myself, go after my duplicate, kill him, and then have the party kill me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was it would have been interesting to see what happened but I, I the original goal was to see if mitch would get them and like i didn't expect you guys to be that good at stopping him quite frankly i the roles were not on my side yeah the, the dice the dice informed the narrative on that one yeah but yeah so so like i said before and and as a character a lot of the times like mischief was the glue holding the group together uh joe was obviously like the brains of the operation medeal was very much the you know kind of you know what? I, what is happening here? Sort of character. Uh, Zelen was just. I'm going to hit things now. You you wake me up for that. And uh, Kanhei was the. I you know I wasn't even supposed to be here today. But Fizzle was definitely the. You know I don't know what I think is going to happen now. Let's let's see what Mitch does. <laughs> and it actually helped quite a bit for the end. Uh, I had I struggled a bit in the middle part of the campaign when we didn't go to the magical city. I did struggle a bit, but once we got on the pirate ship and we started having a direction, I knew where the end game was going to be. I'm just going to, we're going to talk about this. The biggest curveball I've ever DM'd in my entire time DMing, which has been decades now is when I have you guys all in front of the gods in the temple in Acheron and fizzle offhandedly says he wants to befriend Verth <laughs> because I explained to these guys earlier, the cosmology thing, Mitch, you didn't get to hear this, but the cosmology was that all the gods that you were meeting became gods because of an, ex- an accident inside of a spaceship. No. Oh. Like the entire reality was created by a faulty faster than the light drive that didn't jump you to another universe. It made a new universe. And this universe that you were playing in was a universe created by that engine. And the people who are the crew of that ship became the gods. Uh, they're the ones that you ran into. There were other gods, but th- those ones were originally on that ship when it was when it created this new reality. Oh. Except for Verth. Verth, the, the reality before the ship showed up and created this world inside of it, the reality was all Verth, and it was nothing. It was void. Verth was void. 
Earth was a giant void of nothingness, and then suddenly it had this really painful carbuncle that was a reality inside of it. And <laughs> it wanted to destroy that reality because, ow, get it off, get it off. And then you talked to it. Yeah. You were literally the first being in existence to speak to Verth. Verth had never had a conversation. <clears throat> Verth didn't know what a conversation was. Verth didn't know that there were people in that thing that it was trying to destroy. It didn't understand that gods existed or what they were. You were the first being ever to talk to Verth. So Verth knew Verth didn't have a personality <laughs> until you talked to it. And so Verth copied the only personality it had ever run into. Aww. In other words, Verth is your kid. <laughs> a chaos I need baby to go god. Back. I need to go back and listen to that episode so that I can hear the conversation that Mitch had. Because we were, obviously, we oh, were in the yeah. other channel. We were party to that. Yep. And I didn't go back and listen to it because I didn't want to, like, spoil myself on anything. Now I need to go back and I need to listen yeah. to it. It's actually really funny because you get to hear me attempting to do a pers- an impersonation it of a, a chaos god. Doing Mitch, the, so the benefit like, of the benefit of being the one controlling is getting to hear it all in real time and trying not to laugh. Yeah, like, <laughs> we're, we're, seriously, there's a part where like Mitch is like friend and Verth is like friend. It's like that's the first word Verth ever spoke because Verth never had to speak before. Oh God! See, sometimes you just gotta give things. give it a chance. Just you know. I I just I felt like I there was there was really no way for that to actually happen without somebody helping you do it because there was no way for you to get to Verth to talk to it in the first place. But Galia is a very capricious god, and so I was like, he wants to talk to Verth. All right, and I had her port you there. But I, you're the one that made the high roll to co- to start the conversation. If you hadn't rolled high, he just would have ate you. <laughs> because he wouldn't he wouldn't have known any different you're a thing he doesn't like things he doesn't want things to be here so he would have just destroyed you but you still you spoke to him and you rolled like wasn't it like a natural 20 or something some ridiculous i think i got roll? like an 18 yeah the high enough roll that i i actually had the, the the god of destruction stop and be like wait we're talking what is how does one do oh okay friend you know <laughs> what does that mean and that was t- that was the complete curveball because I didn't see it coming. I had no idea it was going to happen. And because it happened, the session that I had planned was going to be you guys coming up with a way to get around that massive army of fighting demons, devils, and demons. That was the session I had planned was a- for you guys to figure that out. So we would have had a 20-session campaign because you would have had to get around those guys. Then you would have had to go into the temple. And then you would have had to go through the portal in the temple to stop everything. But because Mitch made friends with the Destroyer, uh, literally the the demon, the dragon god of destruction, Verth, the being who is like you know feared by everyone and no one could stop it, but Mitch made buddies with it. So yeah, I had to. I'm like, okay, we're just gonna we're gonna just sweep the demon army out of the way. They're not even gonna be an issue. We're just gonna skip them because Mitch decided to make friends with destruction. <laughs> um, and that to me was like that was one of the moments that I, I like in D and D, like like running in D and D, was when the players do something and you have like you're like okay, that nothing I expected was go- is going to happen now. All right, <laughs> there we go. But yeah, that was that was Fizzle's big impact on the campaign, and it's a big big impact on the campaign. So it was it was fantastic, and I was so glad that you were willing to <laughs> indulge me in that, and even like you know planning the whole controlling of the earth or the vessel or whatever um, it was at the end there. But, Oh yeah, we, we definitely uh, had to, to kind of pull that one off the seat of our pants, but they were worked out. All right. But um, 
who it was Liz who had been talking last. Did you get to actually ask the question you wanted to ask? Well, I think we kind of covered it. I mean, I was curious as to how much players gave you versus how much you winded up, wound up having to make up, like how much of this. And I think we kind of talked about that. Yeah. I'll be upfront with you. Dan gave me the least. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's surprising considering Dan stayed for one <laughs> session. Well, I think, I think what Dan was struggling with is like, he had this like video game mentality where you have to yeah. get to the end. And it's like, uh, when he was playing, he felt like he wasn't, you know, in line with the game because there was all this role playing and he's just like, I want to get to the boss and like fight it. And so he decided to drop out instead of stick with us. Uh, whatever the case is like Dan, like I said, Dan gave me the least, which is, which is why I brought him back because I'm like, Nope, nobody escapes the campaign. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Um, so did somebody I, tell him that he made a cameo at the end? I, I, I didn't. <laughs> No, somebody I better no tell idea. him that he made a cameo at the very end. <laughs> uh, I'll but, add yeah. it to my list of things that I need to report back to Dan. <laughs> so, um, okay, I'm trying to think about what else to ask you guys about. So, I'll ask this one because this is something I'm curious about. Is there any NPC you guys particularly remember fondly, or, or for that matter, wish you'd gotten to do more with? Uh, we'll start with uh, Mitch since he's the last to show up. Um. Hmm. I don't know. Well, I mean, there's the, you know, the whole eye thing. Like, I don't know. Does that count as an NPC? <laughs> it, it definitely would have been if you put the thing on. I, you think, definitely would. I think Vecna counts as an NPC. Yeah. Well, I mean, yes, yes. But I wasn't sure if the eye alone and, and the talking to me counted. Do, so do you, do you know what the eye of Vecna and the hand of Vecna is, Mitch? Like, I, let me let me ask that real quick. My destiny, of course. So for those of you who, who don't know. I, I have no clue. Yeah, so this is why, like, I, I had, I think I sent Matt, uh, when he, when I, when he, when I identified them, I like, I think I sent Matt a message that said, "Oh, you son of a." Um, yeah, so I remember he, he, like- he, he didn't stop at son of a. He went all the way with the phrase. <laughs> um, but they are, they are literally pieces of a lich god who's trying to retake physical form, and it does so by, well, trying to get whoever gets these artifacts to put them into themselves to wrest control of their body and be born again, which is why Orcus uh, hates him or Orcus and Vecna are like at odds, which is why uh, Medeal's cousin who worked for Orcus uh, was super keen about destroying it so that he couldn't come back. But yeah, there's, there's super powerful artifacts that, uh, and they are artifacts that they recently brought back. Like they hadn't, they hadn't existed in like actual form in D and D for a while. They brought oh. him back for fifth edition, and the fact that they brought him back for fifth edition and Matt put him in his game was hilariously surprising and awful. And the funny part was that I know you cast identify on them. He didn't like as soon as he said it was a hand and an eye. I knew what it was. Yeah, same, same, same. Like without without you even having to yep. cast, I, I, yep, I, yep, I was yep. like, oh my god, what did he? Do? Yep. Because it wasn't just one of them; it was both both of them, of them which is <laughs> which which never happens. Like in any campaign that I've ever played that it's had them, like I've seen like eyes, like the eye of Vecna destroying an entire civilization. <laughs> like, yeah. Ooh. What's really funny is you also had the sword of Kaz the whole time and you didn't know it. I didn't have uh, access to it. Yeah. You, you almost Wait, did. You asked, the Wishblade mm-hmm. was the sword of Kaz. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. really? Oh, yep. I didn't know that. Yep. Yeah. What do you I guess? was waiting for somebody to, I was waiting for somebody to pick that thing up and use it so I could. I but mischief, that. Mi- mischief had it, so I was I never got yeah. a look at it. Mischief had it, but didn't use it. Yep. Yeah, you, just, you know, oh, it's got a wish on it. I'm going to keep it. I'm like, no, actually use it. <laughs> oh, well. 
<laughs> so yeah, that that happened. I was waiting for like a good spot for a wish, and honestly, if like if Liz, if, if she, if Conahay hadn't gotten that wish at the tail end of that, mischief would have used the blade. Yeah. Hmm. That was that was going to be my next round. And now technically, Willier has <laughs> and now Willier has the sword. Yeah, yeah but it doesn't have a wish on it anymore. <laughs> uh huh. The wish the wish has been used, but the sword of Kaz is still the sword of Kaz. Yeah. Ah. So yeah, there's these are possible seeds for any future one shot we might do. There's there are stuff out there. There's stuff I left I left unresolved on purpose. Yeah, mischief really doesn't care because she has the revenant, and it's like the best thing ever. <laughs> yeah. That was hard to stat out. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. Yeah, the 4d24 damage is pretty nice. Yeah, I, I was like, like you, the, gave, the you only, gave her a gun. I'm just like, oh god. The <laughs> only annoying part about it, right? It has charges, and the charges. It, it's like when you it had 800 charges, and every time you fired it, it used 100 charges. So she fired it three times. So there's like five charges left on the gun, right? Yep. But in order to set it so that I, I basically had to click the button a hundred times to use up the charge. Oh yeah. Okay. That's a problem. <laughs> yeah. I, I was work on that. Yeah. Sorry. So I was doing that. Like while we were playing, I'm just like, click, 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 click. <laughs> you could have just, you know, just noted it to yourself. You didn't actually have to do it on the character. Yeah. But I was keeping track of it on the care. I, I kept track of everything yeah. on the character. Sheet. I definitely should have thought more about that. I should have just made every time you fire it, you use the charge. But yeah, either okay. which way, it was like that's an amazing weapon, and mischief loves it a lot. <laughs> but yeah, um, trying to think. No, yeah. And so, so we've asked Mitch, and he's he's basically said he wanted the eye to be his an NPC he talked to more. So we'll move on to Liz. Was there any NPC you wanted to see more of? I wanted to see I wanted to see my clone more, but they kind of you know I really enjoyed that session where we got to meet all of our clones. I felt like that was awesome, and you know you really captured kind of Kanahe's air of doneness, even though this clone Kanahe was like a super rich, powerful pirate. You know, yeah, she was even more done than you are. Yeah, yeah, somehow. She was like, no, I'm so, I'm twice as done as you are because I've been here for much longer. And, uh, you know, I really wanted to kind of dig into that a little more because I thought it was really neat, especially, like, the idea, like, Kanahe was really kind of thrown by the idea of, like, she had a merchant empire. And there was this one episode where you kind of threw us all into, like, a fantasy of some kind. And what you did for Kanahe was like, oh, she's in this like meeting, sitting at a desk, going over like financial figures. And that was just like to Kanahe, that was like the ultimate thing she did not want to do ever, ever again. Yeah, and yeah. That was actually memories from the transfer. The because of the helmets that we'd put on you guys, you uh -huh. actually the detect thoughts worked by linking your mind to the person that was to the clone. Like mm -hmm. the person who was, was using your memories. So you yeah. were actually getting memories from their lives. Huh. The only person who didn't get one, you'll notice was, uh, was Wilford, Willier and Fizzle. Uh, Willier didn't get one because he wasn't, he didn't, they weren't taking anything from him at that time. And Fizzle didn't get one because he wasn't cloned. Mischief didn't get one though, did she? You got one, but it was it was scrambled because there was nobody to, to be giving right. it to you properly. The copy of you didn't have any memories. 
the copy of me was real weird. Yeah. <laughs> I figured there was a reason for that. Yeah. It, it didn't have anything other than the fact that its body was a copy of your body. It didn't have much to do with you. Like it didn't know anything about you. It didn't have your life experiences uh, because you didn't fit. Like the helmet didn't go on right. They couldn't get anything out of you. So that's why she was just kind of nuts. But I would have, I would have liked to kind of play around with that dichotomy more. But we kind of, we we ran off and we did other things instead. Yeah. And our our clones ran off and did other things instead. I don't know. Can you? Where did they go? Where did our clones go? Where did that group go? Can you tell us? Um, there's a city called the City of Brass. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a city on the elemental plane of fire. I will say that the, you didn't. The, you didn't. <laughs> oh. I'll say that they're there, and that's that's all I'm going to give you right now because, oh. like I said, there's stuff I might want to do with it later. Oh, that's hilarious! Mm. Uh, for 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 those of you that don't, I'm not going to go too far into City of Brass, but City of Brass is one of those things that's hilarious uh, and terrible all at the same time. It's something that's existed in D and D forever, but also uh, technically, I guess, is we the first crossover between magic and D and D because it's also one of the very old, very powerful magic cards, City of Brass, uh, that serve much the same purpose in both games, uh, which is hilarious. At least It's me. like pulling another Vecna on us. It, it really is. <laughs> it absolutely is. Yeah, I, I've been playing D&D for a long time, so sometimes these things come in. But yeah, the, the, I'll say that, that that's where they are, except for Older Fizzle, who is in the future. Woohoo! Okay, uh, so that's Liz. Deb, uh, any NPCs you wanted to see more of or felt like didn't get used enough? Um, no, not really. Um, I We all had fun on the boat, so I'd love to see some more boat adventures. Um, hey, you guys, you, you seem to overestimate the survival rates of boats you get on. <laughs> we, have, no, we, have, we have a tendency to, cra- to crash and burn everything we touch. Um which has its own um, amusing things. It, you know, what if what if we'd um, um, joined a, a, a caravan or something, <laughs> you know, and, and they uh, circle the wagons, the whole thing. Um, but um, no, I I enjoyed all of the the characters, um, and I'm t- taking it. My character was kind of taking it all in. Um, where we go from here, et cetera. And, um, and so I don't really have anybody other than this cousin um, that I want to, to do things with again. I'm, I'm along for the ride. This will be fun. I'm going to say that Randall, the dwarf barkeep from the first few episodes is really sad. You didn't remember him because he had a crush on you from, he was constantly stammering and, and awkward around Medeal and Medeal, didn't even notice he existed. Didn't even notice. Didn't even notice. Yes. Yeah. Well, well, that would be a good thing to, to throw into to the next thing. And, and, you know, and then having Malachi go, you know, he likes you. He likes you. Oh, get out of here. He does not. He's just yeah. being polite. That's no. how we're taught. He'll come back as a villain. <laughs> you snubbed me. I don't even know who you are. But yeah, okay. So that's, Medea wants to see more uh, Malachi. And I'm, I won't, I won't lie. I enjoyed playing Malachi, especially doing this bad <laughs> accent that I'm terrible at and that I forget to do half the time. Is that supposed to be Russian? It's both. It's neither. It's 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 uh, not it's a shrimp demon. A I enjoy those types of um, uh, 
not really self-contained, but those types of adventures where, yeah, going through a dungeon is is fun, exciting, um, traps, oh Lord, I have never ever finished Tomb of Horrors, for those of you who've been around D&D for a you long fin- time. You don't finish Tomb you of Horrors, you yeah. just endure it. I know, you don't you, finish you give, it. You give you, up or you die. <laughs> exactly. But I, I never, we got... Um, the very, I still have my, my very, when it came out, I bought the, the scenario. I still have the, um, the flyer and we did, I want to say half of the first level and then just said, you know, we're not going to make it. And we never finished. We never finished. It never got any farther. And, but there's a lot to be said for doing those kinds of adventures, but I do also like the, ship adventures um the the very first ship where we're trying to get away from a dragon and Kanahe says okay how about if i turn it around the ballista i turn it around and she rolls high enough to shoot the thing in the breast that was yep. amazing that was uh, there were some real revelatory moments in that session for me one of them was fizzle immediately trying to get into the chair <laughs> Like a se- immediately, not doesn't even know what the chair does, and he's trying to get into it. Uh, another was Will was Willier, like recognizing the situation and trying desperately to get people to do the rational thing. Uh, Zelen, who's like, I want to kill that dragon. That, that dragon is enormous. <laughs> yeah, I know. I very much want to kill it. Uh, Mischief trying to take care of everybody. Conahe trying to t- explain to people how boats work. <laughs> it's like this is a, it's a flying boat, but it's still a boat. It basically works like this. Yeah, that, that was one of those things where I was like, okay, all right, I, I kind of know what I'm going to do here. I kind of know how I'm going to get people to point it from point A to point B. So yeah, I, I I did like that ship, but when you guys wrecked that ship, I said to myself, that's 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 probably not going to be a thing in the the whole campaign. That they wreck boats. I mean, that would be ridiculous. And then it happened again. Yeah, the next boat you were on, boom, blew it up. But uh, okay, that that's Medial's wish. So. Uh, we'll move on to Anne. Anne, any NPCs you wanted to see more of or liked exploring or were interested in or what have you? Two answers. Um, first one, tongue-in-cheek answer. Um, the salesman from Medeal's, uh, not, excuse me, Conahay's Emporium. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> that poor man. Yeah. <laughs> just take it. It's yours. You run the place. <laughs> just take it. <laughs> I loved him. I I thought he was great. (laughs) I was trying so hard to be incognito because, again, I think Matt had sold the threat of all of this so hard that I was like, okay, I don't want to be involved in this. I want to lay low and not get in trouble because I'm some sort of big evil pirate. It was amazing. I loved that (laughs) NPC. I thought he was fantastic. And then... um. When we, okay, so the one where we joined in on the parade and we, like, where they were doing the Batusi and all that, like, at the end of that, that creepy weird dude that we were talking to. The Mind Flayer? Yes. I I wish we could have talked to them more, because that was, like, just interesting. The friendly Mind Flayer who knew your mom. Yes. Yeah. I I was like, I want to know more about that dude. Like. What what's his story? <laughs> and we we never got back to him or anything. Uh, unfortunately, yeah, you never actually got back to Sigil. Uh, but yeah, I, I I understand. I I did like the the NPC you were talking about first, the uh, shopkeep guy, because yeah. that was I'll I'll be upfront. I just improv that dude. Yeah, I just he was I fantastic. <laughs> I just improv him. I'm like, you know, she comes in. I'm like, eh, he recognizes you. 
Like, it's you. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, how thank you for gracing my shop. Yeah, yeah. Down low, down low. Kind of doing everything in her power to like ixnay on the oh it's UA, uh, <laughs> and he's like it's so wonderful. No, just take anything you want. Uh, take this staff of wizardry; it's yours after all. Yeah, that was that was a lot of fun actually. That guy was, and then like, you guys got attacked in the middle of it. Yeah, and that, that was, was like the best part. That was, was random. Like, the poor man. That was a random dice thing. I just had a I had a, a chart of possible things that could happen. I rolled some dice. I'm like, oh, you get attacked. All right, things attack. Uh, so yeah, that whole thing was crazy. But okay, uh, so those. Oh, little... oh, speaking of random stuff, okay. the random stuff at the end of the game, uh, the last thing where where we roll me a percentile that percentile dice. Oh, wow, okay. magic. Three dolphins show up. <laughs> The dolphins yeah. was amazing. Yeah, I, I actually that one was. There's a wild magic chart already in the game. They they put mm-hmm. it for like things. Yeah, I didn't I didn't want to use that one, but I I like the idea. So I basically uh, sat down with the concept of what the engine is and what it does. The engine basically reacts to thought and makes it real. So I I came up with a chart of like some of those are blank spaces. Like I, if I rolled that number, I got a blank space and I could just say whatever I felt like. Uh, and one of those, uh, one of you rolled, uh, but the rest were all stuff that I just put on there. The one that I really didn't expect to happen. Cause it, it was a, like, I think it was like an 83 or some weird, I, I forget what the number that Liz rolled was, but it was exactly that roll and nothing else. Only that number would have gotten that particular result. And you just happened to roll it. The wish spell. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was basically just me trying to adapt a wild magic to to this setting to this thing that we were doing because it wasn't quite the same as wild magic but it, it close enough for it was work. super fun though <laughs> yeah it really um, was it was so much fun that one also i put it in there were some ones that would have been really bad for you guys and you managed to avoid every single one of them <laughs> like there was, right. there was there was because- one that would have literally turned you all into frogs <laughs> i could have been a frog wizard so oh man now you tell me I was waiting for something bad to happen, and then it never did. Yeah, you but just I was didn't I would, every every time they were rolling a percentile die, I was just sitting there going, "Oh God, it, it's going to happen. Something's going to happen. It's going to be bad. Whatever it is." <laughs> yeah, there was one that you got that was like free space, basically. That I could have said, I could have had nothing happen, or I could have just described something bad happening to you, or whatever. Um, but I went with the uh, was it the it wasn't the dolphin one. Was it the butterfly one? Wasn't there I a mean, butterfly the, one? Yes, I got turned into a butterfly. And it was the next day, as I was kind of thinking it over, I said, you idiot. You should have said, yes, I am Mothra. Yeah, I, I, I don't remember which one was the one that I that I just improved, But the rest were all written down. But yeah, okay, so that, that did happen. Um, trying to think, who's, who hasn't, I haven't asked you yet, Joe, right? Uh, About nope. the NPC thing? So yeah. yeah, go ahead, NPCs. Honestly, like I just enjoyed interacting with any of the NPCs you had up. Uh, my favorite, just for the sheer hilarity and weirdness of it, was Bubbles. Um, <laughs> yes, I love Bubbles. Because it, it was just one of those things. It's like, okay, yeah, it's a giant monkey. I'm going to befriend the giant monkey. Uh, that That's what's going to happen. Uh, also because it was a giant monkey. I love giant monkey. Uh, but yeah, no, honestly, like I like interacting with your NPCs. I feel that they always have... Uh, you know, good characterization and, and interesting motives and trying to figure out where your inspiration is from them is always hilarious. So. Yeah. A lot of them are actually stolen from video games. The bears um, were great too. 
Oh yeah, the three bears. Yes. Yeah, the, that that one's pretty obvious where I got that from. Um, but yeah. I, I needed. I just you guys didn't want to go to Peador, and I didn't have anything. And I'm like, I got to come up with something to just just something for them to be doing while I try to think of what to do now. Uh, bears, talking bears. And Good. of course, go you with were it. you were lucky that you had Mitch there who would in, immediately run into any weird, probably a trap thing. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Because uh, at this point, Mitch had established, like I said earlier, when Mitch decided he wanted to befriend a 200-foot-long sea monster that was so far away from him that there was no chance he could reach it in any way, I should have known Mitch will always be down to, like, you know, just be useful to me in this regard. Like if, I, <laughs> if, I, if I need something to happen, I can just, just dangle a carrot off in the distance and Fizzle will be like, friend, and run at it. Yeah. So... That that was actually very helpful for that. Um, for me, uh, I want to say this: the, the NPCs I really regret not having done more with are the herd of talking fire cows. Yeah, those were pretty good. Yes, too. they were great. Yes, um, I love that. That only thing that even only happened because you guys had these helmets of comprehend language that you had scrounged out of the uh, the diadems. And uh, uh, that was also. Will your cast tongues on Conahay yeah. so she could actually speak to them? Yeah, but you didn't. The only reason you knew that they could talk to you was because you had the comprehend languages hats, hats <laughs> on, and so as as you, one of them came closer to you, you heard one of them yell out, "Hey, get away from those things! You don't know where they've been," and that it all went from there. And that was all pretty much improv because I, I had no idea where I was going with that. I didn't intend those guys to be anything. It just that. That happened, so I, I went with it. And I always regretted that I never got to bring them back because I had this idea in my head that they traveled from plane to plane, that they like they would graze in the the car, you know the, the outlands of the Concord and opposition plane, and then they would go to say Acheron and graze there, and then they would go to the Prime Material plane and find a place and graze there, and they were constantly moving through the portal network. That's just what they were doing. Um, and I never got to really use them again. The closest I got was they 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 popped up on Acheron when you guys were going to the temple. They they walked by. You saw them. Mm-hmm. And I want. And if you had gone up to them, I would have. Like, we could have done more interaction with them. But you all were flying, and you weren't really in charge of the boat, so it ended up just being a cameo. But I regretted that. I wanted to do more with those guys. Um, there was just something about a, a herd of of completely sapient cow people. Uh, they're just cows. They're not minotaurs. They're just cows. They don't have hands. They they just do cow things. But they just they do cow things. But can talk and understand what's going on. Uh, I, I just I like them. I and I I regret not having come up with more for them. But uh, okay, that pretty much handles that. Um, hmm. I'm trying to think of what else. Well, this is there's the thing. Then what did you guys expect to get picked up that didn't? Like what what were you thinking was going to happen that didn't happen? And then I'll talk about what I expected to happen that didn't happen. Not, not the big thing that we all know, but there were some other things. So so we'll start with Joe this time. What did you expect to happen that didn't happen? Honestly, I didn't. Um, I learned very early on to sort of just kind of roll with whatever was going on because I, I couldn't really predict where you were going, and I, I really enjoyed that. So I didn't really bank on getting anything picked up in particular. I just kind of like rolled with it, so. Okay, uh, Liz? Yeah, I've got to agree with Joe that uh, kind of your ideas were so wildly creative and unpredictable that I never entirely knew what was going to happen next. Uh, one of the things that I figured would be key, and you've talked about some of this, 
is those, you know, futuristic areas that were obviously part of this spaceship you've talked about that we would land in. I figured we would learn more about them or like maybe figuring out what they actually were was going to be key to this. And uh, I mean, we wandered through them and we figured out some things, but we never really, we never connected the dots as to what they were because we, we walked past some of those connecting parts and never dug into it. Yeah. I, I mean, part of that was that we didn't get to Yunez. And yeah. had you actually gotten to Yunez, it would have, a lot of it would have been a lot more apparent. Uh, Deb. Um, I, a long time D&D player. So I'm, I'm very... I agree with Joe and, and yeah. Liz that that um, you when you're a longtime D and D player, um, you, you learn to roll with the punches. Mm-hmm. Um, that okay, I came in to the last fight thinking, looking at all my spells. All right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. If Joe hadn't um, knocked down that force field, uh, my Next action was going to be to run up to the force field and cast anti-magic shell on myself and see if that would take it down. And then there was, well, all right, uh, Zelen has lost 50 or is down to 52 health hit points, I think he said. All right, well, I can get him with a mass heal. And I had figured out how many um, hit points I can. And, and. You you go in and you plan these things, and then the first thing that happens is Mitch goes, Fran? <laughs> <laughs> All right, that noise you hear is me tearing up my list of things I'm going to do. Um, <laughs> but that's the beauty of Dungeons & Dragons, is that even though you have an idea that we are facing the final boss, this game and I'm this level and I can cast these spells and this is what I'm really going to prepare. And and as a cleric, you don't prepare your spells. As a a wizard, you have to prepare. Yeah. And and so going into a fight, you make the best guess, guess as yeah. what you're gonna need. And and all it takes is friend and oh I, everything I was gonna do is gone. So rolling with the punches, it, I, I I really enjoyed it. Really, really enjoyed it. Better bring the microphone down to my face. Uh, <laughs> Mitch, anything? Um, I, I do agree with Liz a little bit on the like the the real world stuff. I was I was kind of curious where that would go and like expecting a little more of it. I'm, I'm that's not a complaint. I just kind of was like, huh, I wonder what uh, this is all about. No, I but, mean, there's there's obviously always going to be stuff you intend to do that you just don't get to. Yeah, yeah, and again, oh, yeah. nothing wrong with that. I loved where it went, but I think the um, the less surprising part of this is that um, I didn't necessarily go into sessions thinking this is what I want to do or this is what I want to make happen. It was more um, how can I use my spells and abilities to make fun things happen, or how can I prepare to just take this in a, a different direction. Do you remember the, the the saddest time in that campaign? And I think this was a missed call on my part. You have an ability that when you kill somebody, you can steal their appearance. I, I was going to bring that up. Yeah, that was that was my favorite. One of my favorite moments in the campaign is when I stole the stole someone's corpse shadow, and then you're like, "Yeah, you can't talk though." So yeah. I was just mimicking to his guard friend, like, uh, and yeah, that was that was one of the the really fun parts. But that's a good example of you know kind of 
the sort of thing I would do before a game is look at my spell sheet and remind myself like, all right, I have this weird steel shadow thing. I have, I can write in the sky for whatever reason. So stuff like that is more how I would prepare and, uh, you know, try to figure out, do I have weird niche spells that I can, you know, try to bust out at the most random time. If you're looking for weird niche spells, you pick the right class. <laughs> Bard, Bard is great for weird niche spells. And and that was that was the cool thing too at the end there was I was able to use like polymorph and stuff because I was, you know, I know that's not technically a part spell, but I was able to get it with everything else that I did and yeah, uh so it was it was less about where did I want it to go and more how can I make it go in a random direction. <laughs> yeah, and it was very useful. Uh so Okay, we've handled Joe. We've handled, uh, I guess, Anne. I guess you haven't been asked yet. Okay, so, like, um, I know everybody else is like, oh, roll with the punches is so much more fun. You just react to things. But the thing is, Rossi, I know you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And we've spent so much time speculating on things over the years that, like, I expected you to lay down things that were going to tie in. And I was trying to read you like we read World of Warcraft. Yeah, I I knew you were. (laughs) <laughs> I, I couldn't even blame you because it's like it's what I would do. <laughs> I mean, we how many hours did we spend late at night going, "Ooh, what if?" Yeah, I, I know, I right? Okay, so the thing with me that I was expecting to something bigger to happen and it just didn't was those quote unquote temples that were like different levels of. I guess that research facility or whatever it was. It was the ship's engineering core. The, yeah, exactly. I thought that at some point. Because they were layered and they were layered across, that we were going to like bring them back together again and do something with the intact facility. Oh, that was that was in fact something that could have happened. (laughs) Focused on it. Um, You remember in the in the first time you went through the gates, that demon thing showed up and was trying to to control you. It pretended to be my friend. Yeah, Yeah. that creature um, is. A being, he has various names. One of them is Grazd. And he was also pretending to be your father. Um, right. And he wanted to get you to re... He wanted to beat the Chain Devil by outmaneuvering him. The ah. Chain Devil, uh, Druzarg, um, he, he was trying to use the two engines to just hit blank slate on the world. And recreate it with him as the, as the supreme deity. He was going to literally wipe existence. That was what he was going for. Uh, Grazit wanted to get you guys to recombine the various levels of the engineering core so that he could shunt all the power from the engines through you. Ooh. And because pos- you're, you're the idealized result of the wish that Galia granted to, uh, to your mother, he was going to use you as, as a means to create himself into the world. Huh. So that was where he was trying to go. And if you guys had spent more time, like there was the whole thing with that Gith Yankee guy. Yeah. Yeah. If you guys had ended up reconnecting with that guy, if you tried to find him, uh, he was actually not have been all that hard to find. And you could have it was gone on my, that route. Legitimately on my list when I was thinking about allies to try to grab. Is yeah, like, it, I freed this per, or we freed this person, made friends. Right. They probably have more dragon riders. This might be useful. Yeah. If you guys had gone to um, the astral plane and found the Gith Yankee. Uh, you absolutely could have gone on, on a whole thing to reassemble the engine core. Okay. That was that was a possibility. I'm satisfied now because I was correct. <laughs> yeah, no. I, when I described it as as looking like us, like if you'd cut the building into pieces, like it was yeah. sliced. Yeah. yeah, that's that was that was in on purpose. That was actually straight up. 
um, I was aiming that at you. I figured, I figured it was deliberate. I figured yeah. it was deliberate because in the first one that we got into, that was the other NPC that I was actually interested in seeing more of was the one that was pretending to be yeah, my yeah, friend. He never the actually friend that had died. Yeah, yeah. He, and he never came back or anything. And I was like, huh, I wonder what was up with that. But when we entered that place, I, I didn't really think about it until we got to the second level. Where all of a sudden it was like, oh, it's that research facility, but it's a different slice of it. And then I was like, he's planning something. He's got to be planning something with it. <laughs> yeah, that was absolutely a possibility, but uh, we, we just literally ran out of time. Speaking, uh, speaking of running out of time, I think yeah, we, are. We, we should probably start doing our final thoughts soon. Uh, well, I mean, I guess I will take the opportunity to, to do a little bit of that. There's just talking about how I planned the campaign and that I didn't, like I said before, there was a one shot. That's all I had in mind. All I thought we were going to do. So when we moved to a campaign, I actually spent the next couple sessions watching how you guys reacted to things. Um, and that was how I came up with the overarching plot. That's how I came up with Will, you as the bad guy, sort of. That's how I came up with time traveling fizzle. That's how I came up with the clones that came in and came out of the story. Everything that I was doing to point you guys towards Piedor and get you into the, into Piedor was part of that couple of sessions. And then when you guys didn't go to Piedor and I I've harped on this sometimes to, to needle Joe, but the truth is you can never as a DM expect people to do anything. You have to be ready to yeah. go, okay, they're not doing it. But when you guys decided not to go to Piedor, it became my mission in life to get you into Piedor by the end of the campaign. <laughs> the, from then on, there was nothing. Everything was aimed towards. I sacrificed things like, like Ann just talked about. Had you guys pushed on it, you could have gone and, and dealt with the Githyanki thing and so forth. But I deliberately let that fall by the wayside to get you into Piedor. I moved one of the engine points to Piedor. It wasn't originally there. I moved it there so that you would go there. I had decided at the point, oh, you don't want to go to Piedor, huh? You're going to Piedor. Uh, but you're going to Piedor in a way that doesn't railroad you into it. I'm not going to force you to go there. I'm just going to make the end of the campaign be there. Uh, and part of the reason I did that was spite, because I'm a terrible person. But <laughs> part, the other reason, though, was because it was a symbol of all the stuff you guys had circumvented and and changed by your actions. This was... This was the D&D campaign with the most player change to my plans that I've ever had. And I want to say that, like, kudos to y'all. Um, <laughs> especially, you know, Mitch is up there, but but Joe and Liz and Ann and Deb and everybody. Uh, everybody but Andrew, because he came in late and he didn't really get a chance to. But everybody who interacted with that arc going up to Piedor, you all did things that just amazed me. Like when the, Joe leaned into his I look just like the bad guy thing to throw them off or mischief just made friends with people, you know, like, Hey, how you doing? And they were like, what, what's happening? Why are you talking to me? Or fizzle, you know, would like get himself shrunk into a bottle. Like you, do you remember that? That's why physical kidnapped because you put yes. him in a bottle. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you put it's, fizzle in the bottle. And then of course the guy stole him. Why wouldn't things he happen? <laughs> just, so I really want to say this from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for the most surprising campaign I've ever run. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Yeah. So thank you. it wasn't just you, you saying all this stuff about me being creative and everything. It, it wasn't just me. It was very definitely because of y'all, because if, without you guys, this would have been a much more straightforward campaign. 
So I, I'm really happy about how it ended. I'm really happy with how we got there. And I'm really happy that you were forced to go to PA. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I think I, I I don't want to say I speak for everybody, but thank you very much for running it, Matt. It was a very fun time. Uh, I think I really enjoyed uh, bouncing off of everybody, not really having a game plan, and just kind of like leaning into the the different aspects of uh, the different characters and sort of seeing where everything. Uh, so I'm I'm very happy with how that worked. I'm going to miss rolling insanely high stealth checks and just hiding <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> you you were like <laughs> your dice for stealth checks. You would roll like a three on an attack, but then a like a not like a thirty three on your stealth check. And I'd be like, why is it always your stealth checks? So uh, my my stealth, um, because I'm proficient in it, um, is a plus fifteen. Yeah, but you'd roll like you'd get thirty fives. Right, and you, that's you, because I also had um, the the talent thing, where it was like if you roll below a certain number, it's automatically a ten. Oh, yeah, wow. I know. you just you, you just were nuts. It was yeah. it was amazing. It watching. was stupid funny though, because it was like there's nowhere to hide. I'm going to roll a stealth check anyway. I'm hidden. <laughs> <laughs> Mischief's just really nonchalant. Yeah, the, uh, the she the shot expertise. me with that big gun, but expertise yeah. is a wonderful thing. But uh, all right, I guess that's basically it for this go, guys. Um, pretty much out of time so thank you so much matt that was like yeah, the best you. it was so much fun well thank you guys all for being here and playing in it um this has been the uh the Riaton campaign wrap up um yeah uh we're gonna do with a campaign. D&D one shot spectacular yeah, yeah. <laughs> 19 sessions later we are at the end of the one shot spectacular um Hopefully we're, we're, we're working on a new campaign probably for January, maybe for February. Uh, we're still, we're still ironing out stuff. Joe and I are going to co-run it, which means we're going to have to swap characters a lot, which is going to be exciting because we came up with a plan for that. Uh, th- you know, thanks to everybody for being here th- that could be here. Uh, thank you to Mitch, Deb and, and Ann for showing up. Uh, thank you to Joe and Liz who are always here for Tavern Watch for, for coming up with the idea to do this little, uh, campaign wrap up. And, uh, thank you to me. <laughs> Uh, I don't yeah, have anything to do thank myself. Thank you, Matt. But, thank but, uh, you. It was a great <laughs> game. It's my birthday in two days. So, uh, <laughs> oh, happy yeah. birthday in advance. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's it, guys. Uh, thank you very much. I, you I would like to this? chime I would like to chime in that we are playing another D&D game. We're playing Wild Beyond the Witchlight next weekend on December 11th. That may be our last Tavern Watch thing for this month. Um, we'll see. Holidays. You know, December. December. Everyone has the weird schedules, and uh, as Matt said, we may have a new game in January, or we may be playing more Witchlight. We're going to be playing more Witchlight regardless. But yes, uh, absolutely. Yeah, I get to play a Bunny Bard in that one. No, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. It's a wild, it's a wild ride. But all right, uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, this has been Tavern Watch, as we said. Uh, if you guys want to jump up over our Patreon, uh, Blizzard Watch, you know, slash Patreon, that would be really great. We could use the help. Uh, we're doing a Patreon drive right now, so go give that a look. And uh, yeah, we'll be here next week for the Witch Lake game. Uh, thank you guys for being here with us. Thanks, everyone. Thanks.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.